Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. joined by Jose Bautista. Jose, how you doing, my friend? Thanks for hopping on. I'm doing great, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm real good. Hey, I want to, it, it feels like it was just yesterday you retired, but this is going to be your sixth season not playing in Major League Baseball since you retired. What's retirement life for you? I see you rocking the Augusta hat. So what's retirement like? Yeah. A lot of golf? It's great. A lot of golf. I'm not great at it still. <laughs> uh, a lot of I try to stay active, so I go to the gym a lot or ride my bikes. I do both mountain bike, not with the crazy jumps or downhill stuff, more of the Florida uh, mountain bike vibe. Then I also uh, hit that um, that road bike from time to time. And obviously, I'm a dad of four girls. That keeps me plenty busy. And obviously, the business side, too. Uh, I kind of do it all, a little bit of everything. Good. Well, that's what I, I want to talk to you now about that. I know you just were on uh, State of the Union with Alexi Lalas talking about soccer. I want to ask you about that. You're now the new principal owner of the USL Championship franchise, the Las Vegas Lights. Were you always a huge soccer fan? How did you get involved here? Talk to me about that. I've been a huge fan for a long time, you know, going back to 20 years ago, maybe. Obviously, as a kid, everybody plays around with their friends and starts becoming a thinking, at least, that you're going to become a soccer star when the World Cups come around. So I did that as a kid as well. Uh, but then later on, I just started following teams more closely and just been a really, really devout fan for about 20 years. Um, this opportunity came about because, you know, what player doesn't want to go into ownership and say that, yeah. you know, they're part of the ownership group? Uh, I was fortunate for this one. Right now, at least I'm the, the only owner and the majority owner, of course. Um, and the way that came about is I've been looking at the USL because I think it's a great league that's poised for a ton of growth. And it's a, a good timing, I think, with, you know, what's happened in soccer growth in the last couple of years in North America and where yeah. it's going with common ball, potentially the Women's World Cup, Men's World Cup, soccer in the Olympics and all the other tournaments that are going to be had here. I think it's a great time to get in. And I was fortunate enough that I had some buddies in Orlando with the Winter Park Consulting Group. They made the introduction when this team came about and what other market sexier than Vegas when it comes to pro, pro sports right now. It's booming. And hopefully we're going to be a, a big part of what happens in uh, in Vegas moving forward. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. Um, let's, let's talk baseball for a few minutes. I saw, I know your career started in the minor leagues in the New York Penn League. And I got to ask, my career started in the Penn League as well. You played in Williamsport. Uh, when I ask you about playing in the Penn League, do you have any stories that come to mind on how crazy it was or the travel? Or I feel like I could talk to you for hours about the New York Penn League, but what's something you look back on on your time there and remember? Yeah, I remember being able to uh, hit my head in the clubhouse in Onianta. <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, 13-hour bus rides to yeah. Vermont. I remember our clubhouse being a 
hundred-year-old hospital in Utica. <laughs> there's a lot of great stories, uh, but a lot of good pizza in that league. And, you know, that was my first taste of pro ball. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. So you ended up, your career obviously it became what it did, and you had a fantastic career. But I wanted to go back to 2004 for a second. And after a series of trades, you became the first player to appear on five different rosters in the same season. There was Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, the Mets, and finished up in Pittsburgh. What do you remember most about that whirlwind of a season? I can't imagine being traded once in a year and having to uproot your life and go somewhere else. It happened to you five, five different times. Yeah, but I wasn't going to complain. It was either that or ride the bus in Altoona. So <laughs> uh, I think I was doing just fine. I wasn't playing much because I was the utility guy, Rule 5 kid that used to come in and play when we were facing Randy Johnson on a Sunday morning and nobody wanted to face him. <laughs> that was my kind of gig. Uh, but listen, I collected a lot of suitcases. That's one thing I remember. The other one was uh, I got great instruction from five different sets of high quality major league coaches. And I know that not playing every day hurt my development in some ways, but that level of instruction and the experience I got uh, was also irreplaceable. What do you remember about facing Randy Johnson? Um, he was intimidating. All the guys were telling me not to look at him in the face because he <laughs> cannot mean mug you. Um, but I actually had surprisingly uh, a decent amount of success against him. So, um, I could pick up the ball out of his hand for whatever reason, uh, better than I could uh, other guys. What was it? So after that year, you, you were bouncing around a lot, as you mentioned, not getting a ton of playing time unless it was a Sunday day game against the best in the world. What was it about Toronto where you end up there and it just seemed like your career flourished once you got there and it really took off? What was it about being a Blue Jay that helped your career take off? Um. Well, I, I've talked about this at great length in, in other interviews and over the years. It's just sometimes you get to the right place at the right time. You're open to suggestions. You get the right kind of instruction. You're handed the right opportunity. You make adjustments. You get consistent. Your confidence rises. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is it just ended up happening there, and I couldn't be happier. Um, I had some success in Pittsburgh, but you know, also the makeup of the team was different. And, and my objective, my instruction going out there every single day was completely different. In one place, they gave me a set of instruction that maybe didn't completely fit who I was and my best skill sets. And in Toronto, was uh, different. So yeah. I think a lot of those things uh, came into play. Well, you were part of one of the greatest moments in, in Blue Jays history. One of those moments that I feel like everybody remembers where you were when it happened. Game 5, 2015 Division Series against the Texas Rangers. You hit that home run, the bat flip. What do you remember the most about that moment? Just how loud it was and how much it shook. I mean, it was a big enough moment, I guess, that, you know, it's, it's my signature moment. Everybody yeah. obviously comes up to me and talks to me about it. And you name your show after it. So it's a big, it's a big <laughs> moment. No, it's a, it was a, it's a, it's a great moment in, in our series too. Like we down two games, we tied it up to two. And that was obviously the fifth game. Uh, and we hadn't been to the playoffs for over 20 years before that. So as a fan base, it meant a lot to the fans. And that's why we play the game, right? That's why we do what we do at the highest level is to create those memories for the fans and those bonds and, and just to, to elicit those emotions when they're watching, whether it's at the stadium or at home. And um, it was a great, great moment. 
It's funny you say I, I named my show after it because I really don't know if the name of my show would be Flipping Bats if it wasn't for that moment that you had back in 2015. It, the game has evolved so much after that that the bat flip has become more and more exciting. And at the time, I don't want to say it was taboo, but like you did it and it really took off from there. Do you feel like that moment and that bat flip played a part in the evolution of the game of baseball and, and what we see players wanting to do on the field now? I think it was a controversial enough mo uh, moment at the time that it kind of changed the conversation. Yeah. It sparked the conversation and it opened it up. I, I wasn't a pioneer by any means. I've seen people flip bats my whole life, Yeah, but it wasn't a thing. Um, and to your point, it was a little bit maybe frowned upon. And But I think as the game becomes more global and emotions are a little bit more welcome, it's more of that transition from the golf clap that in the professionalism in, in baseball to more of an emotion-based uh, sport kind of like basketball and, and football like you see people celebrating dunks yeah. touchdowns the bat flip is kind of like that but for baseball we yeah, didn't have that um so i think it's great i don't think anybody for the most part means any disrespect and as long as it's appropriate and it's just a reflection of the heightened emotion of a moment go ahead flip your back <laughs> i agree completely so i, I want to ask about the blue jays Specifically last year, I picked them to win the AL East. I thought they were a great team. I thought their pitching staff was one of, if not the best in baseball, a great offense, and it just never seemed to click for them. What What do you think it was with the Blue Jays last year? What What went wrong, in your opinion, with the team last year? You know, those things are always hard to evaluate from the outside. Um, I had them pinned to win the, the division as well. Yeah. Um, one of those years that maybe they will say even inside of the locker room themselves that they didn't do as good as they thought they would or they could have. Um, but that's in the past. They got to focus on the future. And, you know, they had some injuries, some inconsistencies from guys that are typically better. At the end of the day, they got to figure out how to come together and band as a group and unite and just grind it out and get those wins and those moments that the game is tied in the seventh or you get down four runs in the first. You just got to figure out a way to scratch and claw out of those um, day in and day out. And at the end of the year, if you win one of those every two weeks, you know, your position in the standings is completely yeah. different. So um, I don't think they have a lot of adjustments to make. Maybe a little bit more consistency. They have all these upgrades at the stadiums. The fans are going to be supporting them. There's going to be a packed house every day. And I can't wait for this season to start and watch those guys. I expect a bounce back here from Vladdy. Bo Bichette is going to do his thing. George Springer, too. Kiermaier's back with his energy. Yeah. Uh, Want to see what they do at third base. Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement. Varsho hasn't tapped into his potential. The catcher position is solid. Their pitching staff is great, like you mentioned. Uh, they're really well positioned. It's just a matter of consistency and health. What do you think they need to do? They haven't done a ton this offseason. I, I like the roster, but, you know, I feel like every team can always be in a position to add. They've added Yariel Rodriguez, Cuban pitcher, who I think a lot of people are going to get to know this year. He's nasty. But what else would you like to see the Blue Jays do this offseason? The one glaring hole that sticks out of me right now is third base. And, um, you know, a little bit more protection for Vladdy around the middle of the lineup yeah. wouldn't hurt, uh, especially if it comes from uh, the left-handed side, whether that's a DH or uh, switch hit in third baseman. Uh, there's not many of those running around. So, uh, But they have room to add two bats 
that can make impact if you look at the roster. So it all depends what, you know, their efforts have been like. This free agent market seems to be a little colder than typical or at least the last couple of years. So they have time. There's a lot of names on the board. And I'm sure they're making their best efforts to to put the team in the best position to succeed. So I'm excited to see news, hopefully, at any time. Absolutely. Uh, Jose, I got one more for you that I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you before you hopped off. It was about 10 years ago. And I feel like on social media, this is a question I've been wanting to ask you forever, specifically on Twitter. I feel like you found a way to follow every single person <laughs> on planet Earth. What happened back then? I look, you, you followed like a million people. I'm assuming it wasn't you specifically following them all, but what was going on about a decade ago when you were following everybody that's ever existed on Twitter? Yeah, at the time I had a social media advisor, which I <laughs> still talk to and consult with from time to time. And they, they were trying to uh, come up with some ideas and prove some uh, metrics stuff. And, um, you know, that it works, uh, believe me, but nobody can literally sit there and follow a million people just by pressing the follow <laughs> button all the time. So I definitely had some help, but it creates just a, a different level of engagement. And I think it was pretty cool because it definitely gave me a boost when I was getting the most votes for all-star games a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, because people feel more connected to you, um, even if it, they know it's not you doing it, but they always have that sense of pride that they have that blue check mark follower and it's somebody they want to follow. So um, there's a science and a method to it. I didn't come up with it. I wish I could take the credit for it. Uh, so that's kind of the story behind it. That's awesome. Jose, well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. Always was a big fan of yours and, and watching your career. Thanks for flipping your bat that day. It led to a show called Flipping Bats. So always appreciate it. Good luck with your golf game. I hope your golf game gets better throughout your uh, retirement career. I know. I, I need a lot of help. So <laughs> I, I need all the luck I can get. So thank you for having me. And I'm of sure uh, if you need me, you can uh, get a hold of me again. Appreciate it, man. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll get together in golf sometime. Sounds good. All right, dude. Thanks. See ya. All right, just wanted to thank Jose Bautista again for joining me here on Flipping Bats. That was really fun. I, seriously, that moment back in 2015, I feel like if you're a baseball fan and have been for a little while, it's one of those moments that you will forever remember where you were when it happened. It was so cool to see. The TV, the screen was shaking. The play, I, I, It feels like I've never seen a baseball stadium be louder than that. It was absolutely incredible, and it was really cool to hear him talking about that moment. So I hope you all enjoyed listening to Jose Batista here on Flipping Bats. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Also, you can watch it on YouTube. We're on all social media at Flipping Bats Pod for all of them. But that does it. Until next time, my friends, this has been another episode of Flipping Bats. <laughs>